yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare. Looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, for this week's show, I'm focusing on the importance of the mind over matter. And why having the right mindset can really make the difference in living a healthy life. Over the course of the last couple of months, and especially now, the mindset is more important than ever before. I'm delighted to be joined by cognitive behavioural therapist Neve Connolly of themindgym.ie to get some insights and advice on dealing with uncertainty, developing your mind properly, and CBT strategies to help you deal with life stresses and strains. Neve, welcome to Real Health. How's it going? Hey, Karen. Great. Thank you very much for having me on. Lovely to be here. And is it fair to say that the mind has never been under more pressure than over the last six-ish months or there or thereabouts? And as we look to the future... I think even more so in terms of uncertainty, in terms of fear of the unknown, in terms of everything that's happening now over the next couple of weeks, facing into September, if the schools go back, anxiety, depression, mental health and mental exercise and mental wellness have never been more important or or more prevalent than they are now. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're under more pressure than we've ever been um, in terms just exactly as you're saying, Carl, the uncertainty. Um, do you know, I would have lots of interactions and communications online and people have said to me they preferred nearly the full lockdown because at least we knew where we stood. Whereas now there's so much kind of, it's not that there's lack of clarity, the government are doing their best, but it's just things are changing literally day to day. And as a kind of, as a species, as, as a, our mindset, we don't like uncertainty. We love knowing uh, what's coming next. You'd see it in children they love what do we do next what do we do next we love routine and structure that's what we kind of thrive on most of us and that's probably how our primitive brain works best knowing what's coming if you think back to the caveman running around he needed to know where his uh, next food was coming from he needed to know that he had shelter so certainty created an equal safety it equals survival so when we're in that mode we feel safe we feel reassured and then when things shift, we, we kind of, oh, what's next? And it's that uh, lack of certainty can bring up all kinds of uh, difficulties for people. And let's chat about anxiety. I suppose I always like to ask people, no matter who I chat to, in terms of what that is, to identify it for our listeners. Because I think it's really important to identify both that, and we'll chat about depression maybe a little bit later, but to identify them and say, okay, well, here's what anxiety is, here's how it looks, and here's how it kind of can manifest itself for people who might be listening in. Yeah, I think and I think that's a great point, because I think no matter who you ask, you'll get a different answer. You'll get a psychiatrist will give you a different answer. You know, a a medical doctor will give you a different answer from a psychotherapy point of view. I like to use the analogy of a weighing scales. So anxiety would be equivalent to um, risk or danger being exceeding your ability to cope or manage that risk. So it's about a threat of some sort. So when those two things are out of kilter, we become 
from anxious. So you could be in a risky situation, but think I have the resources to manage that and not be anxious. Or uh, you may have very few resources, but no risk and equally you won't be anxious. But when you have elevated risk without the matching coping skills, that's your kind of recipe for disaster. That's when we are inclined to get anxious. And anxious uh, is different again in, in every person. Um, we're inclined to think of anxiety as, again, it comes under the headline of kind of a mental illness or a mental disorder. In fact, it's a very physical condition because if you say to somebody, you know, how, what happens to you when you get anxious? Like if I said to you, Carl, when you get anxious, how do you feel or how do you know you're anxious? What would you say? Oh, this is turning into a one-on-one session. I'm intrigued. Uh... I I check my phone more. Definitely, I get jumpy. Uh, my sleep is affected in some. Or the key thing for me is, and I, I always I wanted that my peak is I can't exercise. I actually can't train because of the fact that I associate it with work. I presume I'm not quite sure why, but that would be the the, the extreme of it. Yes, yeah, so you get stuck in a loop. Yeah, and that tends to happen where we go round and round in the same circle. We kind of cling to things that we've done before. But when they're not working, we don't recognize because that's another sign of anxiety is this kind of like a brain freeze where, you know, normally, rationally, you'd look in at yourself and you go, Carl, exercise is what, you know, really works a treat for you. You should go and, you know, do something. But when we get into that mode, we stop thinking rationally. We're thinking from the primitive part of the brain. And it's all about emotive. It's all about the feelings. You might get a knot in your stomach. You might your heart might start pounding. A lot of people describe this pressure in their chest. So there's a lot of physical symptoms that are associated with anxiety. And that can become part of the problem itself, that people begin to fear the physical signs of anxiety. They're afraid of getting overwhelmed or they think because their heart is racing that something is wrong rather than thinking my heart is racing because I'm feeling anxious about something. So it's about kind of teasing out what are the thoughts that are going through your mind as you're feeling that anxiety? Okay, so so if for people listening in, when they feel uh, you know those the, the anxious kind of triggers, it's about looking at what's going, what you're getting anxious about, what you're thinking at the time when you're getting anxious, and maybe writing them down or kind of assessing those a little bit. Absolutely, and you've really hit one very important skill, which is writing things down. When we're anxious, when we're upset, worried, and stressed, again, it's the primitive part of the brain. Uh, it's very basic. It's black or white. It doesn't kind of see nuances. It just clings on to oh risk and it doesn't get into much detail. When you pause and you pay attention and you spot those physical symptoms in yourself, like I was describing, and you say, OK, this is a sign. This is my body giving me information that I need to do something. And if you pause and slow down and maybe even just the fact that you're recognizing those signs that will help bring the rational part of the brain the prefrontal cortex where we do all our kind of reasoned thinking where we work things out that will help kind of bring that online and then stopping and writing it down kind of pauses it slows everything down and it sends a message back to the primitive brain oh hang on a second Carl is writing therefore he's not at risk he's not in imminent danger or he wouldn't be sitting there with a pen he'd be sprinting to get away from whatever the danger was so you get a nice bottom up message the body sends a message back to the brain i'm writing things down i'm slowing down i'm reflecting therefore things are okay i can kind of turn off the fight or flight you know the alert risk mode so you've hit on some really good stuff already yeah 
And I suppose one of the things, just from a personal perspective, you know, reading the news, looking online, anxiety has become something that I think has become potentially more visibly prevalent, if not more prevalent, especially in a younger generation. And again, when it comes to schools going back and just our younger listeners, anxiety is something that comes up time and time and time and time again. Is I suppose is that down to a lack of coping mechanisms or coping skills or education around coping skills for anxiety? Is is that linked to that? And is that maybe from an educational perspective, things we need to do more of, such as we see on your Instagram pages. But you know, it's content about coping skills and mechanisms to learn how to cope that a little bit better with pressure with the pressures of life. I think what can happen is uh, we can lean again. It's to understand these are kind of very subconscious. These are very. Um, instinctual responses they're not really thought out we're not deciding to overreact it's our primitive brain thinking that it's keeping us safe so if we're so i think how we nourish ourselves is really important and that's not just food and water that's what are we reading what are we feeding ourselves every day what news are we listening to like at the start of covid i was watching every six o'clock <laughs> news bulletin i was hooked on those <laughs> kind of live yeah reports but it just starts to feel more and more overwhelming. It starts to feel more and more serious. I start to feel less and less like I could make any difference or do anything about this. So I just decided, you know what, I don't need to read, you know, I can, there's one update I, keep, I get online and that's enough. I don't need to know any more than that. And this is where we need to think about our media and social media in particular. If you're just looking at things that are very, you know, headliney and, you know, kind of not helpful you're being bombarded then with these messages and the brain, again, the primitive brain will go, oh, hang on a second, safety, I have to protect this person, you know, we need to panic or it, it's not taking it rationally. So I think in terms of, of younger people, think about what you're looking at, think about what you're feeding yourself. Do you feel better or worse after it? Do, is this helping you stay calm and getting you prepared for September or is it throwing you into a ball of worry and dread? And if it's the second, then rethink what you're looking at. I think that's important. Okay, so it's filtering your social media yeah. uh, to ensure that it's a positive experience as opposed to a negative experience. Uh, and I think that certainly in the likes of Instagram, that's particularly important because what you see time and time again is an influencer in a perfect life and a perfect situation and it's all wonderful and fabulous and they look really yeah. healthy and all the rest of it where it's filtered and, and altered to look that way. And it's crucial to, to be able to identify those things. Yes. Yeah, that's it's everything that we're seeing online is curated. Everything is presented in its best possible light. And we all do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as we know, it's like the swan floating across the water, that there's legs going hell for leather underneath and we're not seeing every aspect of it. One of the things that we can fall prone to, and it's something I was posting about last week, are cognitive distortions. So our thoughts can kind of work against us. Again, it comes from the primitive brain. And one of, it's like a thinking sin or a thinking, an unhelpful thinking habit. And a very common one of those is something called the mental filter. Our brains are primed to react much faster to negative information than to constructive or good information. And that's a safety thing. Again, if you're about to step out, you know, across the street and if there's, you know, a bike whizzing past, and you stop and work out, I wonder, should I step back out of the way? You know, boom, you'll be hit. Whereas you act first, think later. That's your primitive brain. It's wonderful. It has kept the human race going for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, but 
when it comes to trying to sift through information, it can latch on to the negative information first. So you could listen to nine or go through nine good accounts or positive accounts or ones that make you feel better. And then you'll feel one, you know, it's the same yourself. If you get feedback from clients, if you've worked with people training all day, you've 10 clients, nine of them are fantastic, great. The 10th one, Carl, I thought you're rubbish today. I really didn't like the program. It's doing nothing for me. You go home. Someone says to you, well, Carl, how was your day? What are you going to respond? You know, and it's, it's that one negative one and it'll get in on us. And it's not, again, it's not a conscious thing that we're doing. It's our leaning. That is our primitive brain thinking that it's keeping us safe by alerting us and kind of tilting us to look at negative information. But as long as we know that, we can tilt ourselves back and go, okay, yes, that guy was a pain in the ass and blah, blah, blah. But I had nine really good clients and you're keeping your thinking balanced. You're seeing the bigger picture. You're stepping back. Whereas the the negative, the primitive brain is all about zoning in and as little information as possible. Whereas up here, the rational brain is like much bigger picture. It can manage a lot more information. So being aware of those thinking styles is really important as well. You're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Tell us about the the common things you've seen over the course of the last couple of months with clients Mm -hmm. in terms of issues that you've seen that they presented with and and tips and kind of tools to, 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 to improve or to help those issues. One of the things that's been quite interesting is the CBT, you know, I'm not doing different CBT. I'm not doing COVID CBT in a way. I'm just doing the same structure, you know, strategies and techniques, but kind of modifying them slightly for maybe slightly different circumstances. It's one of the strengths of CBT. So if you came to me, um, maybe following an accident and you had anxiety or PTSD or something like that after, you know, a particular situation, we went through uh, particular skills and techniques. And then the following year, you had a a different stressful situation. You would go back and use the same toolkit. You can mold and and blend and change the same tools and use them. And that's one of the strengths of CBT. It's, It's shown, say, when it's been used for depression, it is more effective than medication in terms of relapse prevention. So if you've learned skills and techniques that tackle maybe the underlying cause um, you'll be able to repeat them. You'll be able to keep then repeated bouts of depression at bay because you spot the signs earlier and you know what to do. I actually want to, want, want to just jump in on, on CBT for a minute. So lots of our listeners will have heard about it, read about it, but they actually won't really know what it is. So let's pull it right back to basics. You know, on a very basic level, what is CBT? It's a type of psychotherapy. Um, it is different to um, most psychotherapies in that it's quite directed directive. So a series of protocols have been put together over 15, nearly 60 years at this stage. Um, They've been scientifically tested. They have been proven to help in uh, the use within particular um, mental disorders, such as anxiety, depression, uh, varieties of of, uh, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, postnatal depression, but in, like I'm saying, in the bigger realm as well of stress, uh, mood is another huge one where it's very effective. So if you came to me and said, I think uh, I have depression, I would assess and go through and, and do a, you know, a very in-depth um, uh, discussion with you about your background, current situation that you're in. And then we would together, because it's a collaborative process, I know CBT, but you know you, we would work together to establish goals. So 
Carl, in three months' time, what would you like to be able to be doing or not to be doing? Uh, and once you meet those goals, it's finished, you know, so it's quite, it's time uh, set as well. It's not something that goes on for years and years and years. You get your set of skills and then you take them with you. The goal of CBT is to teach the client to become their own therapist so they can spot things earlier, like I was saying, and then they have the tools uh, and skills required. Because if somebody comes back to me, maybe two or three years later and say, I'd like a top up session or I'd like just to revisit. One of the first things I say is, did you keep up your CBT skills? Did you keep up the practices that we had put in place? And a revision usually is, is all that's needed. So it's quite structured. There is some writing involved, not essays or anything like that, but there is recording, like things, jotting down things during the week. Somebody would bring me back feedback feedback the following week but again that adds to their they have a folder then at the end of their eight weeks or ten weeks or whatever it is of really helpful resources week one we did this week two we, we did that um so it's great value for money you know it, it really helps in the long term as, as well as in the short term another thing actually just about cbt it gets a bad rap that it is nothing to do with a person's past and that couldn't be further from the truth one of the ways we work is using formulation so often when somebody comes and says, I keep doing this and I just, I don't know why I'm driving myself cracked. I know it shouldn't be. There is, um, we would use uh, the concept of core beliefs where we have beliefs about ourselves that evolve over the formative years, so up to 25. So I could have a belief that uh, I'm not good enough or I could have a belief that I'm a failure and we would work through to identify what that person's core belief is, how it came about, and then work on ways of changing, kind of re-evaluating that belief system. And that can be an amazing piece of work to do. It's real aha. People go, oh my God, I get it now. I get it. And it's a really nice piece of work. It's on one page and it really simplifies. I think that's one of the things CBT does. It simplifies what can be complicated and messy situations, it clarifies them and it makes them therefore easier then to tackle. Okay, so it's very much taking people a step back, analyzing a situation, identifying core values, core beliefs, and then skilling you up for a certain target over a period of time. Yeah, yeah, yes. Very cool. Let's chat about mind over matter. Yes. I'm intrigued by this and that that mindset is really important in times of stress and particularly now and having that clear mindset is crucial. Yeah, I think one of the things that we um, forget is how much our approach and our thoughts before a situation can either dictate or influence that situation. There's a famous phrase, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And you kind of have to say that twice. You go, well, and it's like, we, you know, the way if you get up, and on a Monday morning and you're in bad form and you go, oh, today is going to be awful. And, you know, it's I'm just not able for it and I can't face into another week. Sad's law, you know, you're going to have a bad day. You, again, your filter is on for the negative. It is setting you to look for the negative And by God, you'll find it. You know, the way if somebody um, people would report, you know, attention bias when they think of something, they're far more likely to see it. Um, there's reports of people when they're, you know, trying to get pregnant and they can't, everyone seems to be pregnant. It's that idea that what we look for, we find. So our mindset is hugely important. Um, and there's amazing, very interesting research into this under the placebo effect and the nocebo effect, which is less known. Most people will have heard of the placebo effect, the positive effect we can get 
from taking a substance that we think has an active ingredient. Um, but the nocebo is equally important. And a, a kind of a subset of that, and it's very much to do with mindset, is anticipation. There's, an, there's a very interesting piece, uh, research done on anticipatory dread, where they took people and they asked them if uh, they were to be given um, like a heat on their hand that would be four out of 10 painful, right? So that was the rating. And they said, you can have four out of 10, you can have four out of 10 pain on your hand in 15 minutes, or you can have six out of 10 pain on your hand straight away. And guess what people chose? Four? Six. Six. Yeah, the vast majority of people in that study decided to get it over with. So rather than sitting and waiting for 15 minutes and thinking about the four, this seemed to be that that anticipatory dread seemed to add more pain onto that score. So, okay. And often you're sitting waiting for something to happen. It's that not in your stomach. Like I was sitting waiting and I was ready to go at five o'clock and I went, okay. And then as I waited and waited, I started to get a knot in my stomach. And you're going, what's that about? It's this, you start thinking again, that we think it's, you know, top down. An awful lot of this is kind of subconscious. Our brain will go, oh, but what if? Oh, but what if something, you know? So we lean into the worst case scenario. And when we're in that frame of mind, we're not as capable. We're, we're limited in our responses. We're inclined to, again, act first and think later. It's like, have you ever been asked to do something? And you go, yeah. And then, geez, why did I agree to do that? And you're kind of, oh, you know, we, we say things and we do things before we work out, is this best for me? So it's this anticipation um, there's been studies done as well on people in hospitals uh, in terms of pain relief, that when somebody has been in pain and they're waiting for their next pain relief and the nurse says to them, I'll get that for you now. And there's like, you know, a few minutes while she goes to get the medication, they've seen through brain scanning, which is, it's incredible, the person's pain activation, the area of the brain's associated with pain activation, start activating prior to receiving the medication. So the anticipation of the relief of pain can bring about a lessening of the pain. It doesn't get rid of it, but it can ease it. And that's the thing I think about mindset. Things are really difficult right now. There's nothing that we can do to get out of this situation. If we're not abiding by the rules, we're putting people at risk. If we are abiding by the rules, we're compromised and limiting ourselves in terms of work and socializing, all of that. So either way, and that's why positive thinking doesn't work. It's about realistic thinking. So this is a difficult situation. It's a kind of foundation that we're all on right now. But if we start dreading it and imagining worst case scenarios and thinking about how bad this could be and focusing on what we can lose, on top of that, you're adding a layer of like mental distress on top of an existing difficult situation. And that's the piece where mindset comes in you can manage that mental distress. You can minimize that, uh, keep it to as little as possible. Acknowledge how difficult the situation is. It's not about pretending. It's not about putting your head in the sand. But it's about not going into a bad situation before it has happened. Because this, again, goes back to the, you know, the primitive brain. 
you're sitting at home watching a scary movie on your lovely sofa. You jump out of your skin at the scary bit. <laughs> Why? What, what's that about? So it's, it's the music or it's a, it's a sensation or it's, it's how the, you know, it, it's, it's, you're just, yeah, you're, 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 you're bought into the, the movie. Yeah, of course you have. Yeah. Primitive brain does not know that Jaws is not going to actually <laughs> jump out. And that's how crazy it is. Hollywood knows this. That's why they do, do the dun, dun, dun music because they get that we respond very quickly to any sort of a negative stimulus. They love that. So that's why if we're gone into imagining awful situations our brain will react as if those awful situations are already happening have you ever dreaded a situation and been really up in a heap about it and it never happened oh pl- plenty of times <laughs> so who doesn't know that exactly we all have but then you go oh for god's sake what was the point but you're as nervous as if the bad thing was going to happen and it's like we don't need that Things are difficult enough for us right now. We don't need to be having imaginary distress or anticipatory distress on top of what's already really difficult. And we're facing into a winter, you know, the night's going to get shorter. At least it's daylight now. I know the weather's not great, but, you know, we have tough times ahead. We, you know, it's really important that we're we're trying to uh, kind of insulate ourselves and prepared and be ready for this and tuning in to our coping skills rather than tuning into what we will be struggling with. It's, you know, it's a perception. It's what way you decide you're going to look at it. And I suppose if I sum that up a little bit, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, it's pulling away from the what if. Absolutely. Wordy wordage of what if something happens or what if the numbers go to whatever, or what if we're in a lockdown or what if whatever, and replacing that with more, with more positive, um, words and more positive things to look for realistic 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 yeah try and because if you're saying to somebody in a really difficult situation to think positive that's almost like it's invalidating they're probably very valid worries and concerns it's not this isn't positive this is not good that we're in covid and we're nobody's really sure what's coming next so let's be honest about that but realistically look back if you had said all of ourselves in march do you think you'd be coping okay if we're still at this in august we've gone oh my god no way i wouldn't be able for that and we look at people who go through really difficult situations and you go oh my god i don't know how you did it and people answer well i had no choice you know no one chooses struggle no one chooses to suffer but we have incredible strength and resilience and when we only focus on the difficulty, we lose sight of that strength and resilience. If you look back at what we have already achieved in this country, it's fantastic. We have really, we made such great strides. Things have gone a little bit jelly at the moment, but we pull it back. You know, we're going to get things back on track again as much as we can. So I think that's the stuff to focus on. People have done incredibly well with their kids. They've done incredibly well in jobs. You know, we're doing our best. So I think that's something that's really important to keep the focus on the realistic, balanced and helpful. That may not be positive. Positive isn't always helpful, but being realistic is. Neve, on that note, thank you so much for joining us on Real Health. If people want to find out more about you and where you are, tell us what your Instagram handles are and all, all of that. The Mind Gym on Instagram. Uh, the website is themindgym.ie. Um, and just drop me an email. I've lots of free resources. I've lots of uh, worksheets and stuff that will probably back up some of the things we were talking about there today. If anyone needs anything, feel free 
need to drop me a line. Neve at themindgym.ie is the email. Fantastic, Neve. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of Real Health. Thank you, Carol. It's my pleasure. Folks, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode of Real Health. Some really good, solid, backed up science content there from Neve. Really crucial over the course of the next couple of weeks and months. We're going to need all the mind gym workouts that we possibly can. So apply those tips and tools and it'll make a huge difference to your approach to the next couple of weeks and months. As ever, you know where we are. We're at Carl Henry PT on Twitter and on Instagram, realhealth.independent.ie. And as always, don't forget to rate and review. We do love those. So much appreciated. Have a fantastic week. Apply those tips and tools and we'll see you next week. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.